with emigrating? Well, one of the many problems is that there is a similarity between doing it and dying in there somewhere. Well, several similarities, come to think of it. Firstly, you're going to end up a long way from family and friends, which is reversible if you emigrate. The second is also reversible if you have the money. You can't take it with you works almost as solidly when transporting stuff as an emigrant as when leaving your cash and worldly goods behind you with your life. But when we had to emigrate, we did have some of that good stuff. We used the money parts to pack up far more than half the goods-laden house and stick it in storage. The plan, if I can go so far as to call it that, was to settle in Australia. Then, once we were firmly down and safe, we'd get the stuff sent on. The problem was we were never safe. It was one heck of a trip for a human, one giant bill for everything else. It took us far too long to realise there was no hope for us in Sydney, so we ran out of money and were forced to come back. Incredibly, we found a really nice person with a house we could use, and after a few months settling in, I filled it up with the stuff from the store. Said stuff had been out of our grasp for nearly five years. This was nowhere near being a record, the storage proprietors told me. They have units which have basically been abandoned, 30 years some of it. Our five, though, was long enough for me to forget how much and exactly what we had left behind. I knew it was a lot, but I'd used protective amnesia to hide from the sheer amount due to the stress locking it up gave me. The choosing, collecting, wrapping and generally carting it all about was a massively taxing task in every way imaginable. I felt as if I was voluntarily making myself a refugee, taking us to the utterly unknown with just a few cases and each other. We managed everything eventually, but about six months ago we had to manage it again in reverse. We were five years older, the five that matter being stuck bang on the old end for a total of 60 or so. More than 40 of them spent working, by the way, or trying to. I lost so much in the move, so much indeed, that I could hardly even remember having in the first place. Only when I went to get something in Sydney did I realise it was 10,000 miles away. I knew I'd get it back eventually, but when and how that could possibly ever happen again were simply never questions that we got close to asking, let alone could we attempt to answer them. So it is a massive shock now actually getting it back. Things spark memories, especially things that talk. I have lots of tapes. By lots, I mean boxes and boxes of the things. I covered walls with them. Now they are either being transferred to digits by an archival specialist, yeah, I recorded stuff that matters to other people as well as me, and the rest is in a few of the boxes I dug out of storage. These last ones I can actually play, and they tell me things that are 40 years forgotten, but not just the five of storage, but the other several decades of wall hanging they did before the boxing up. For a first example, one tape puts my memory right about something I thought I was sure about. 
Our family went on a holiday to Switzerland in the early 1970s and I was sure that Apollo 13 went wrong while we were there. I can remember desperately trying to hear something about it on Longwave Radio too. The only signal I could pick up there that was in English. I found that on the tape it was Apollo 16. OK, that means nothing to you, but it shook my brain. If I could be so wrong about something so powerfully remembered, what trust could I put in anything else I thought really happened? Worrying, I think you would agree. Objects also bring memories back. The shape and feel of things long untouched can and do, on making new contact, bring old thoughts back in a rush. For example, I have a tripod. I stumbled on it when rummaging through boxes containing my lost and now recovered life signs. How often does one need a tripod in a normal non-SLR-owning life? Not often, but back then I had one, and all the attempts at stable photography came back to me. Today I am SLR-free, but it's really great to have a tripod when you need a well-taken, not quite selfie. Not quite is the point. OK, I press the go button, but I also do all the other bits, including the getting in front of the camera part. I take a still from a video taken by my phone strapped to the tripod with rubber bands, which I found on the pavement, dropped by the post people. That's the sort of thing I do. I fix things. I put bits of stuff together that I've kept over the years in odd arrangements make things I'd otherwise have to pay for. Or I try never to throw things away. You never know when you might become useful. I've done it with my skills, abilities and memories as well. The changing world and relationships demand that I rebuild my life time and time again. I'm also looking for oddments and larger items that I can remember owning. And to my consternation, I've not found several important remembered objects in my searching. There were about 20 large cardboard boxes to go through, but once we got them in the house ready for investigation, I was far too knackered to even think about, let alone start the process of sorting through the contents. It took about a month before I could even begin the phase of the Herculean task of returning to Blighty, and I have now seen most of the contents of all the boxes, and much is missing. But this story is mostly about what I have found. Photographs. Yes, but I've not looked at more than a few so far, that task being open-ended as I took loads back then. It's even harder now that I can take hundreds a day. The physical pics are waiting to be electronically re-rendered and distributed to the people depicted therein or used as memorials to the ones who didn't take anything with them when they left. This rebuilding of my past gets even more confusing when it mucks about with remembered dreams and mixes them up with current reality. Have you ever had a dream where you were partly clothed in a very public space? Well, who hasn't? But who has actually experienced this in reality and not been arrested? The canteen area at a well-known London studio and the walking between buildings while preparing for a bit of background acting in a TV show clad only in hospital raiments recently provided me with this particular living the dream set of moments. I spent four days in a studio set in a hospital bed acting ill for the telly. How mixed up is that? I find it increasingly difficult to hold a belief in a firm distinction between reality and whatever it is I'm living in today.
Too much of my life at the moment reflects or totally outdoes many dreams I've had all my life. There is one big dream that, well, no, two really, that have not happened yet. The first is seeing strange craft flying through the air, spacecraft. I have seen this on TV. The Blue Origin people, New Shepherd craft, is totally dreamlike in the way it lands. The Falcon 9 also, but it more unbelievably true, as it is so much greater size craft. At least this one is. The new Glen will be more massive, but the big Falcon rocket BFR, now renamed Spaceship, I think, or something like that, should be even larger. These I have yet to see in person, but it is now a possibility, as other things exist, or soon shall. Another potential dream in reality is the humanoid robot. These also exist, and I am almost glad to say I have not seen one yet. My dreams of them were dark and terrifying for a decade, until I found the off switch. Then they all stopped. Technology is bringing things to reality that have been my dreams for decades. This device I'm typing on, which is using my own invented and coded software, the SciWriter, is something I mentally invented and nearly had published in a mag, which went bust before they paid me for the article. And in what sensible world can I now be on an internet radio, sometimes four times a week, and on Fridays, live? I've acted in a long-running TV soap that I had never watched, but it's seen by millions each week. In what way is that a normal life? My wife and I are living in a house that we hardly pay for, filled with possessions gained in the life we had when the house we lived in at the time was ours. Not exactly normal. And there's more. Television programmes, music, radio. If I know about it, I can search for it and watch it. At once. No mucking about, finding the recording, spooling the tape or lighting it up. I could, if I wanted, ask a computer to do it for me, by voice. But I don't fancy that. Too creepy, even for me. Also, it would take quite a bit of setting up and I really don't have the time. Technologically, we are very much in a transition period. So much is possible to do, but the bits required to do it don't communicate very easily, or at least yet. Soonish, fifth-generation internet shall kick in, and all the comms shall be super-fast and inexpensive enough to actually be used. I know this is coming, and I fully welcome it, but unsure of how it will change our lives. Also, I don't know how long I shall have to wait until it can actually be said to have happened as such. From the standpoint of, say, 15 years ago, five years after I started making websites, and about the time I went over to Apple from the Microsoft PC I had been forced onto by the demise of Acorn, so much has changed. And yet, in ordinary life, no one seems to notice their difference. They just adjust and move on occasionally complaining about poor internet or mobile phone coverage, battery life or the weather. Even the weather is changing, though. I don't know where I'm going with this thought, save to say that keeping a grasp on the important things in life is, or can be, very confusing. Facts are changing, or are ignored, or even accepted, which have no impact until now. Everything is happening at once. So much change. So little solidity about the future. 
that because this has been said and left so many times before by so many people in so many societies, I know that life of some sort shall continue. But quite how, I, like all the others who have felt this before me, have no idea. Maybe that is one reason I so desire to keep hold of my past and document the present so that it can remain now in some way. I can now look around our borrowed home and see many things that actually have a history of being part of a previous life of mine. And I've had many. Here they all are, mixed up. I can find 30 or more year-old recordings of actual events that I had forgotten and which on hearing stimulate or regenerate a memory. Is it imagined or recalled? Other things from the lock-up really specific to my life? Or could a copy fit the bill just as well? Photographs, the recordings of past events, are just hints of what happened. A frozen sample of just one or two sensory inputs of the time divorced from the context of the other senses or the time and space in which they occurred. Are they in any way real still? Indeed, what is reality anyway? Mm-hmm.